where they have like all these vocals and there's like a lead vocal and all these background vocals and stuff and they're all just submixed to this one submix and there's a whole bunch of processing on the submix and nothing on any of the tracks that lead to it. And they're like, why is my mix sound so muddy? And why can't I understand any of the vocals? And why does everything... I'm like, because they're not mixed. This is not mixing. And so they would basically go online, you know, to learn stuff. And they would find these videos telling them about top-down mixing. And so they would do it. And it would destroy the mixing. You're listening to the GWNL Podcast. Guys with no lives talking about audio. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of GWNL Podcast. I'm Joe. We have... Bryant. And Ben. I even pointed and they did it this week. This is cool. <laughs> All right, we're going to do this forever and always. Um, So, episode 10, it's top-down mixing, a uh, controversial technique. Some people are in one camp, other people are in another camp, and then there's me who doesn't really care and has no personal opinion on the subject, mostly because I've never really used it, never really... It just seemed like a gimmick to me. But with that being said, what is top-down mixing? All right, who wants to take this one this week? Bryant, I, I can take it just since right. I've, I've been the one that's like brought it up. Oh, top-down so. mixing's amazing. I'm Brian. Hi. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so basically, top-down mixing is instead of starting at the track level, you are going to start at the master and then work your way back. So you apply like your mix bus processing, and then you'll do um, any other bus processing like drum bus, guitar bus, vocal bus. And then from there, then you go back in and fix individual problems. But the whole idea is that you're using less processing, quote unquote, and you're doing, you know, basically supposed to be able to kind of like kill two birds with one stone kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, ideally, and, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, Ben, let me ask you this. Yeah. What's up? What do you want to say? Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's not a bad idea. And actually when I was way before they ever used the term top-down mixing, I, out of necessity for processing power, I I did that with my drums. Like, I didn't have enough power to run compressors on every track on my drums. And so I would bust them to a submix, and I would do the compressor on there. I mean, this is like, you know... You know, back when eight, Pro Tools couldn't handle more than eight, eight tracks. My 800 <laughs> megahertz G4. Okay, that's what... <laughs> Talking yeah. about 1988? No, no, not that. It's like, the, like I was like, that's early the mid-90s, buddy. Yeah, 2000s. I was like mid-90s, early, early 2000s. Yeah, so early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but yeah, I would do that because of those, of those limitations of the power. And I'd put like EQ and compression on the drum bus, and then I would... You know, add EQ to different different individual tracks to, um, you know, balance things out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's as a as a general concept, it's not a bad idea. Um, it just runs into some problems. I I would agree, and I always kind of approach almost because it seems to me that it can be very clickbaity with the methodology that a lot of folks use when 
they're discussing it on forums or places. And I think it's a great advanced technique if you have a lot of strong core mixing techniques, um, you know, like a strong foundation, like proper dynamic compression, gain, you know, EQing, managing your tone, balance, all of those things on an individual level. But whether it's an actual, like, life-changing technique, I tend to fall into the camp, and maybe I'm the only one, I don't really think there are shortcuts to being good. I don't think that there are shortcuts to, like, I, I think there are some things that, like, in this instance, I think top-down mixing will reveal weak weaknesses that you might have in mixing. I think that's a thing that's beneficial about it. It'll, it'll reveal certain weaknesses, but I don't see it as, like, a long-term... I see it as like something that you might practice, but then I might not actually use it on a professional mix. But it's a good thing to make me think outside of the box about what my process and about how I do things. I don't see it as, and I mean, then then you have like Dave Pensato who uses that technique and he'll talk about it. And then you have other like bigger names in the industry that will use these techniques. And, you know, some people swear by it. Some people think it's snake oil. I don't really, I, I think of it as just another technique, something to keep in mind. Um, if you're stuck on a mix and you can't figure out how to work through it, gives well, you an idea. And kind of, kind of, I think the part of the idea of top down mixing came from, uh, you know, people just keeping the like, um, bus compressor engaged on like an SSL console. Yeah. So they'd mix through that and they kind of, you know, kind of brought that into the, uh, digital realm of things. And then it kind of became this huge like topic, like, Oh, look at this, like, really cool technique that will be able to, uh, you know, solve all your problems and you use less plugins and that's yeah. kind of how it's Mixed marketed. better today. Yeah. B basically yeah. like <laughs> you Billy too can sound like Dave Pensato <laughs> and Chris Lord Algae and B I can't Billy Mays here. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just naming like as many industry people that I know of that are like way better than me. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, it yeah. is, it is, you know, hyped up and stuff. Um, and like I said, I I kind of did the same thing for those same reasons, you know, to save power and stuff. But when it is used as a shortcut, that's when I've experienced problems with other people doing that. So, um, like, so then, uh, yeah, yeah, go, go on. Sorry, keep no, no, keep oh, going. I was just gonna say, like, part of this came up. It was like a year ago that. Bryant and Bryant kept texting me. He's like, what do you think of top-down mixing? And I'm like, I don't know what top-down <laughs> yeah. mixing is. And then he started explaining it. And I'm like, oh, that. I'm like, I hate it, you know? <laughs> well, because <laughs> I'd had yeah. these experiences. No, I'm supposed to hate things, Ben. That's yeah, not your we're not job. supposed to. Okay, okay. So I had, I'd had these experiences where I would, like, teach students how to mix, you know, in some entry-level classes and stuff. And they're starting to get, you know, knowledge of mixing and stuff. And, and they're they're doing a good job. And then, like, the way the curriculum worked, they wouldn't have me as their teacher for, like, a year. And they'd have this other guy for some classes, which is a great, great guy. He wasn't the one that, that, that did this to him. It's the internet that did it to him. Ah. So they'd come back, like, a year later to me. And all of a sudden, they're, like, working, showing me their mixes. And there's this nasty, like, top-down mixing happening where they have, like, all these vocals and there's like a lead vocal and all these background vocals and stuff. And they're all just submixed to this one submix. And there's a whole bunch of processing on the submix and nothing on any of the tracks that lead to it. And they're like, why is my mix sound so muddy? And why can't I understand any of the vocals? And why does everything? I'm like, because they're not mixed. This is not mixing. And so they would basically go online, 
you know, to learn stuff. And they would find these videos telling them about top-down mixing. And so they would do it and it would destroy the mixing. And the funny thing is, it's all I did with them. I'm like, okay, let's delete that. And then let's start on the individual tracks. And we did exactly the same thing that I'd done with them a year before. And all of a sudden their mixes sounded way, way better than just busting it through that. And sometimes it's nice to do that with like all the background vocals. Mm -hmm. But if you try to do that with all your background vocals and your leads, it's like they're processed the same way and they should be processed differently. So So, with that being said, I think this is a good point to, to let's list off some of the struggles that you encounter when you get into top-down mixing. I would say the first thing that I think of that's going to be your problem is you're mixing into a compressor. And I again, I, th- I feel like people will push into compressors more. into. I haven't done this, so this is my outsider's opinion. I feel like people are going to push more into their compressors. They're going to lean more in by pushing things harder into those compressors and hitting into them harder. Because that loudness factor, that that psychological, I bring the psychological love. Yeah, louder is better. better. So if we put more into the compressor and we saturate things more, it will sound better. And it's so it's so easy thing. Yeah, yeah, I think, and it's so easy to do because all you do is bring up the volume, you know, and Mm -hmm. and and along with it, there are some of these the DAWs that basically do like like you're talking about with the the bus compressor. They kind of they treat their master fader in a similar way where when it goes red, it doesn't like, it does distort, but it doesn't truly clip like that. They have kind of a limiter algorithm on there. And so people like, you know, crank up their mixes and their, their master fader is like pegged and they're like, that sounds so great. And you're like, it, it is limited and stuff, but yeah, they're fooling themselves by pushing it into the compressor harder. And it's really easy to do, because all you do is you move that fader and you're hitting your compressor harder. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are yeah. some other things that you might run into um, caveats or problems you might run into as you're using top-down mixing? What, things you another, want to avoid. I, th- I think another thing that you will run into is you're not able to really hone in on problem frequencies on a specific instrument. So if you have a group of instruments, like think of a drum, think of a drum kit going to a drum bus, you've got everything from the low lows and the kick all the way up to the highest of highs from the cymbals and in, in the overheads. And uh, you, you may get some weird ringing, ringing and stuff in a snare, but you're not going to be able to like surgically remove that in top-down mixing. You'd have to go to the snare tracks in order to um, fix that. And then, you know, it, as far as like finding, finding mud and stuff, you may be, you may be able to, um, you know, dip out, you know, some, some low mids, but, you know, maybe there's some things that you don't you want those low mids in, but you don't want them in other things. So it's it kind of limits you as far as your EQ ability. Yeah. I would add to that, um, you're not actually addressing any frequency masking. You might mm-hmm. maybe on the buses for for chance. Yeah, I mean, but if I, there's I, a you know. bus for the vocals and then a bus for lead vocals, you know, background vocals, like. But I was kind saying, of at that point, why not just mix else. on the tracks? why mix on a bus the funny thing is is after we talked about this i like was working on a project and i had a big like stack then he used vocals so i went out of my way to just try to like you know just do the the bus because i'm like i'm gonna eq these pretty similar 
And so why don't, why don't I just do that on the bus? And then I still, I didn't find, I didn't have the separation I wanted between all the different types of tracks. And so I ended up throwing more EQ on them. And I, I, I mean, part of the argument for it is that less is more and you could potentially get away with doing less. Like maybe if you put that compressor on the submix and EQ on the submix, then you won't have to be, have to add as many processors on each individual track. Right. Um, but and that's that a always... benefit of this. Yeah. 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 I, I know. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was, the interesting thing. So uh, I'll just tell the rest of my story with Bryant about this because it kind of addresses what you're asking. So, um, so after I said that I hated it, you know, um, Bryant like continued to ask about it and, and send videos about it. So he sent this video um, about it. It's like, like I said, it was like a year ago. And so I was like, okay, I'll watch the video. I'll see what he's saying, you know. And so I watched the video, and it was really interesting because I realized that, and I won't say, I don't remember who the guy is, but um, it was like the guy didn't even realize, like he was just glossing over all the deficiencies. Like he was, he was showing it like it was this technique, and here's do this, this, and this. But then he would say, and then go in and, and if there's any frequency masking or resonances, go in with your individual EQ and fix it. And it was like, uh, you just basically told everybody to do like their core mixing skills that you have. And you're just taking for granted that you you like hear that and you're like, oh, I need to fix this and I know where to fix it. Like, oh, I hear this. There's this fighting in 400 hertz, so I'm going to do this. Whereas the newbie who's like, I just put a compressor and an EQ on the submix and, and I'm good. And they can't hear that frequency masking. They can't yeah. hear that like interaction between the tracks of mud and, and all of this stuff. Yeah, which all came, this guy learned that from years of mixing without top-down mixing. And the other thing that was, the other thing I noticed was his setup lended itself to it because he had like analog compressors and EQs. Yeah, he, he has a outboard. ton of outboard gear. Yeah, and so it's a really good way to use the outboard. And like I think that was really cool. But like like Joe said, it's like an advanced technique. Like he was showing it as this advanced, like if he touted it as this is an advanced technique to utilize outboard gear with your, you know, virtual mixer in your in your in your digital your workstation, then that would be really cool because that's basically what it was, but it wasn't advertised as that. It was advertised as here's this cool technique, top-down mixing. Um, and if I actually had more like bus style compressors, I think I would do more of what he did. It's actually a really cool way to incorporate the analog and the digital, but it was really, I, I was watching it and I had to do like a double take. I was like, Whoa, you totally just told us to do core mixing and and that's how you solve that problem, but you're glossed it over, you know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, it's not an invalidated technique, yeah. I would say. No. It's not wrong to use, but, like, it's only going... It, it's an advanced technique. It's not something you should be giving, you know, if somebody already can't show that they understand, like even I struggle with gain structure sometimes because I, I have to rush through things. And if they can't do gain structure properly, I don't know if top down mixing is going to be for them. You know, I don't know for myself if I would even use it right now. Cause I feel like that's, I feel like I would run myself into more like corners 
working on my like mixes that way than I would by just simplifying. In fact, I would even say like lately as I've worked through my own mixing techniques, I have pulled a lot of stuff away and have been focusing on simplifying and removing things, starting just at the level of organization of tracks and gain structuring, trying to minimize my usage of equalization and even compression. And when I choose to compress, I don't choose to do as much multi-stage compressing and bus compressing and like removing all of these more, like even that's a, an advanced yeah. topic. Like, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's like, you know what, in, in some of my lessons with Ben, um, my last year at college, um, one of the things he said when I, in one of my first lessons was, Hey, you're trying to do all these advanced things, but you don't have like these basics down yet try to do this whole mix with just one EQ and one compressor for every track. Don't, don't worry about using multiple compressors. Stop trying to like send these to, uh, you know, in, uh, an extra aux and then adding distortion to it. Like you don't need those get, get your mix done with just these two tools. And so I would, I would go through, do my volume, do my EQ, do my one compressor and my panning and then one time I was like, hey, Ben, I like worked on this, but I couldn't get the bass to where I wanted it to be with just an EQ and a compressor. What should I do here? And he's like, well, that's when you start to bring in your more advanced technique, uh, your more advanced like uh, concepts. You know, why don't you add a saturator onto the bass now? I was like, oh, right. okay. So you know, do the basics first yeah, and then go ahead and add on from there. But until, until, you, until you've done the basics... I'm not trying to be gatekeepy at all, but do the basics first and then use those advanced techniques. They're not supposed to be shortcuts. Those, so with that being said, those basics are never going to go away. Yeah. Like, mm -mm. Yeah. You, you know, and, and I, as I have cut down on how much I'm using on each individual track, I have saw, I have seen myself saw, see, saw. Whatever. No, um, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't rush me. Um, I have seen myself actually be more focused on it. It actually helps me understand like the type of compressor I'm using. Like, oh, this is why I'm using a two A for like my vocal. It helps it. Like I can understand that compressor. But when I'm layering multiple things and because we all run ourselves into this. Like if you're, if you're new to this, cause I, you know, I feel new to this every day, but like if you're new to mixing and you go onto YouTube or you go to these like channel, these websites and they're talking about, Oh yeah, I was listening to it. And it really needed some saturation. If you don't know why it needs saturation. Yeah. Don't do, don't, if you don't <laughs> understand why they're doing what they're doing, that's not saying you're stupid. It's just saying you probably don't have the experience yet to start diving into that technique. And you might need to sit there and listen over and over and over. Maybe you turn it on. You know, a lot of people will A, B that thing or whatever and, and hear those things. But like, and I guess this is like all under the whole top-down mixing thing. But Well, I think this is the yeah. less is more, which yeah, I think this is really good to get to. And I'm so proud. My, my boys are growing up. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is like, I think, I think it's not a bad thing for us to get to less is more now and move away from, I mean, I think it's a good point to get to, um, because it really is. And that's what, like I said, that was one of the arguments for top down mixing is that you could do, you know, make it less is more. And, and there are circumstances where that can work, um, which is why it should be just another tool in your belt 
that it's like, oh, this circumstance top-down mixing could really work. And, and you know, um, it's I know that I have strong feelings about side-chaining too, and, and side-chaining is the same way. Um, I had somebody that was like, we were working on something, and they're like, we should sidechain. I'm like, no, we shouldn't, you know. And it, we didn't sidechain on that song. And then the next song I was mixing for him, we were having this problem, and I was like, I was like, guess what? You know what we need to do? We need to sidechain. And they're, they're laughing because I'm oh! like, it's like sidechain is not always the answer. I'm like, no, but this time it is, and it actually worked really cool for the track. But um, less is more is like super key for everything. And I had a cool experience like a week or so ago. So I was actually going to master this track, this single for this guy. And um, so like the day before, I realized that I hadn't like gotten my ears, you know, the wax cleaned out of my ears for a while. And so I have this method with like, well, you you definitely don't do a toothpick, Joe. Bad. No. Um, Hydrogen peroxide, my guy. <laughs> there's lots of ways to do it. But, um, but you can do a flush and stuff. So I did like this, um, you know, water flush sort of thing. And got like gunk out of my ears, and I, and when I got one side, all of a sudden I could hear the fan in the bathroom, like the high end. I was like, whoa! And then I was like, is there still more in the other ear? And I'm like, uh, I can hear it in this ear, but not in this ear. So I kept working on it, anyways. But that's I was funny. like, and yeah, that's gross, right? Uh, gunk in your ears. But then I was like, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa! I can hear much better. And so then the next day when I was mastering. I really found myself like doing a lot less. Like I kept on like doing like some of the usual stuff. And then I was like, I don't like how that sounds. And so I would, I would, you know, delete that processor or mute it and put something else and try it. And I was backing stuff off. Cause I was like, um, I, this is too much. I can hear that it's like pushing it too hard or it's It's adding more distortion to the signal. It's not as clean or whatever. Just because all of a sudden my ears were more attuned because I'd cleaned them out. Um, but it was really interesting. I even read this article about this guy who they had installed. He did a broadcast mix for um, <clears throat> for for a broadcast. And um, they had installed in his facility like these new fancy speakers. And so he he found himself listening on those fancy speakers and like pulling up his presets and like backing things off and like muting things, muting processors. And it was all because he could hear it better. And then the guy on the other end of the broadcast mix who was monitoring what was coming through called him up and he said, he's like, what was, what changed today? Cause he's like, that was a way better mix than, than you used to do, you know? And he's like, I just did less because my speakers were telling me more. I mean, yeah. side note with the whole less is more. There was my graduation in college. I was running sound while graduating. <laughs> so this is a funny story because me and the choir director did not see eye to eye. And I just didn't feel like fighting that battle that day. He wanted four choir microphones. We're in an auditorium. There's a major problem. This is totally... Forgive he, me, doctor. He, he wanted he wanted a four because he had seen me. Well, because I recorded his choir with four one time, and I told him it would sound just fine in this space with two. And he says, "Well, I asked for four, and I said, "All right, I'll go get four. And you know what I was gonna do? I was gonna grab two other ones, set them up, and not plug them in. 
<laughs> I I mean seriously. I mean I might have even plugged them in and then muted them. I would have done some. I would have been really passive aggressive about the whole thing. But here's the thing. My boss at that time, good friend of mine. I called him up and I said, "Hey, this is what's going on. I'm gonna just do this." He's like, "No." No, you are not. You're not going to play this game where he's going to request this and you're going to be like the polite audio engineer and you're going to go get him the extra microphones. I'm going to come down there and I'm going to talk to him. So he fought it out with uh, this uh, professor and the professor says, fine, we'll try it with two. And so we tried it with two and I just <laughs> I just remember the, the camera guy and even he came up to me afterwards. The, the professor that was running this ensemble came up to me and they were like, that sounded so good. Wow, that's less really is more. <laughs> and I, it was really funny hearing that come out of his mouth because he was always, you know, trying to like, and it's not bad. I mean, I don't think it's wrong to want to like make a bigger production or, or, you know, produce something, but sometimes less is I mean, more. I mean, his mentality with things if, is if it's, if it's worth it, if it's, if it's worth producing, it's worth overproducing. Yeah, that's right. That's Which is not always, <laughs> not always the best mentality. But uh, I mean, that's how some, we get a lot of singer songwriters. True. It's a reaction towards the overproduced like rock and other pop media genres. You know, it's like that's why we get a lot of those like less produced. Like punk was a reaction. Yeah, it's to, all the, the pendulum, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just back and forth. It's what's in vogue, you know. Too, like right now, like, it's a lot of produced music. Really electronic, really acoustic, really yeah. produced, really raw. Well, nowadays, yeah. electronic is like not produced. It's the opposite because everyone has a computer and everyone can like make electronic music. Yeah. So it's it's so the it's new the, not the produced. raw sounding electronic. Well, I, yeah. well, I I think that the funny thing is people want like super super high quality recordings and then they like make it lo-fi later on. I love like, lo-fi. Don't I mean I'm not I'm not knocking lo-fi. Lo-fi is pretty no, yeah. we're and we're like on a totally different topic. Oh now, I know. But, this <laughs> this will just go into sound bits or whatever. Now, just, like, just, bites. now it's more There's is bites. more. That's what <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now more is more and yeah. less is less and whatever. No, and, I actually and, and I actually less want is more and more is less. I have a theory. This is my uh, crazy theory. This is conspiracy theory Wednesday with uh Joe on uh GWNL. I'm getting oh. truth bumps. I don't again. think of lo-fi as an actual musical genre as much as I think of it as like a musical phenomenon, much like Muzak. So the idea of Muzak was it's that it's that jazz music that you hear in the elevator. Yeah. And like this music that's always kind of in the background. It's never actually like a foreground style music, but it's always there. Like it's, it's there like, when you go to Macy's, it's there when you go to whatever, you know. It's like it's like Philip Glass music. No, that's a little bit more involved. I'll be real. No, but like it's lo-fi is that kind of music. That, like, tell me, tell me, why don't you, both of you, who's the who's the best artist in lo-fi? Can you name the best album release that's a lo-fi album? Can you tell me of any clear lo-fi like artists or producers? No, I just if if I want to listen to lo-fi, I literally go to YouTube and type in lo-fi lo-fi beats. Yeah, and you see that beats. girl doing her homework with her cat. Yeah, it's all it's always the girl with the, yeah. doing the homework. <laughs> well, the sorry, walking, side note. Side note on that. Down the street with their backpack. Yeah. So it's originally from a Studio Ghibli movie, but they got like copyright struck. So then they hired somebody to create art that's similar to that Studio Ghibli movie, and that's how Lo-Fi Girl came to be. It was a Studio Ghibli movie. I can't remember what it was, and uh. then somebody like sidestepped the law, and that's and that's how Lo-Fi Girl came to be, and it's... Anyways, Lo-Fi is more of a phenomenon than an actual, like... It's a genre, yes, but I, I would just say it's more phenomenal. Phenomenal... Whatever. Phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. Well, 
This was a great <laughs> off-topic uh, <laughs> episode 10 of uh, Top Down Mixing. Anyway, just gonna top, give it, top Down yep. Mixing, give it a shot. Maybe don't give it a shot. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, just don't make it a crutch to not learning how to really mix. That's yeah. if, you're mi- if your mixes are sucking, Top Down Mixing won't fix it. Yeah. So, with that being said... Thanks for Nick. coming to GWNL Podcast. Nick's good. Nick's good. Nick's good.